Welcome back, everyone and anyone, to Focus on the Light. First, I apologize for the, my voice. My wife and I currently have COVID. It's been like a week, and we were doing better, and then today has been worse than some of the previous days. So kind of a bummer, but we're getting over it, so prayers are appreciated. Also, I apologize if you have been subscribed to Focus on the Light for the lack of Come Follow Me episodes. I apologize I've not had the opportunity to release episodes on Come Follow Me weekly like I would like to. School and work have been very busy for me, and I haven't had a lot of extra time for Focus on the Light the way that I would hope to. This semester is coming to an end in the middle of July, so hopefully that will change, but maybe not for too long, because then the semester starts again in September. So, um, One opportunity that has been phenomenal, though, as I've been working, is to go through training as a seminary teacher. It's literally a dream come true in many capacities. And I appreciate your patience with me as I try to sort out my schedule in relation to the podcast. But one of the greatest parts of going through the seminary teacher training is to be around other incredible people. One of those individuals is Daniel. And I'm going to talk to Daniel throughout this episode. He sat next to me the first day, uh, and I instantly had a connection to him. We kind of became friends. We talked a lot. uh, And I just was impressed with his story. And I wanted to interview him because I love his testimony, and I think that his experience is unique, and he can provide some insightful and much-needed experience to us members of the church. So I'm really grateful for Daniel. He took time away from a family vacation to talk to me uh, over a spotty Skype call. So huge thanks to to, to Daniel. Um, him and I had a chance to, I had, was able, he let me ask him some pretty honest questions, um, which I was afraid to. But he was very kind in the way he answered them, and I think his answers are very, very insightful. So here's Daniel and I in our conversation. All right, Daniel, thank you again for being here. Um, I will let you briefly introduce yourself, and then we will start the questions. Sounds good. Thanks for having me. Um, so my name is Daniel Monzo. I am currently 22. I have a twin brother and a little sister. She is 16. Um, I live with my parents, and I am gay, and I'm also a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. Yeah, so Daniel, that is precisely why you're here. Um, This is, like I mentioned, we we met through the training as student-to-be sent, or I guess currently uh, student teachers for the Seminary Institute program. Um, And I, this definitely isn't like, a negative thing. It's definitely meant to be positive. And I mentioned this to you earlier. You you sat next to me and I, you hadn't said anything, but I immediately just had this feeling like, is Daniel queer? And I really, I'm, I told you that I really wanted to ask you. There was just something about it that just kind of led me to believe. And then you made a comment and you mentioned something about it in our lesson. And I was like, oh, he is okay. I, I have to talk to him uh, because <laughs> yes. I immediately like had so much respect for you. Um, so what is it that makes you and I think that's something that's so great about you is you're so obviously both, if that makes sense. Like, like even though there was something that just kind of led me onto your queerness, it never made me doubt your testimony or your conversion or your desire to be a seminary teacher, like, or your ability to be one. Uh, anyway, so what is it that makes you, it, like you said earlier, and that suddenly means gay and a member of the church. What makes it, what makes you identify as both? Thank you. Um, yeah, I don't feel like I, I mean, now where I am, I don't feel like I've been trying to hide it. So, uh, so that's a good thing. That's a compliment. Um, I <laughs> think that it's important to realize that, like, 
you know, like, um, I can finally, I don't know, like now that I finally like accepted and like learned to like love that part of myself of like being gay, I can finally say that I am gay and a member of the church of Latter-day Saint. And there's like so much power into it because a lot of people think that, oh, well, if you're gay, then you can only be gay and like, I have to leave the church. Or if I want to stay in the church, then I have to completely deny this part of myself and like not be who I am or like just keep it hidden, you know, or push it away, which obviously like when I was younger, I struggled a lot with my sexuality, but I feel like through, you know, different experiences, I've learned to to love and accept that part and realize that, yes, I can be both. There's like this happy medium that says, hey, I can still, you know, be in the church that I love and that I grew up in and that I really respect. And I can still be who I am and not have to deny that. Yeah, I think it's awesome. You, uh, there, There's this word that's used a lot, you know, to accept that part of yourself. What is it that makes you want to accept that part of yourself? Like, yeah, that's, that's the best way to say that. Yeah, no, that's a good, that's a good way of saying it because... There's definitely people out there that I think that don't want to accept that part of themselves or even me when I first like, you know, learned that I was gay or that, you know, realized that I had attraction to to boys. I was like, hold up. This is kind of wrong. You know, this is maybe not the right thing. And obviously growing up in the church and growing up from a Latino background, there is a lot of. Um, you could say like internalized homophobia or just, you know, this fear of like, you know, going to hell and stuff. So I feel like wanting, cause there's this file, like, do I just like negate that part of myself and neglect it and bury it down and try to hide it? Or do I try to accept it and come to terms with it and then deal with all the consequences that come from that? And at first, I think when you're younger, it's very scary to be like, oh, yeah, like, I am gay or, you know, I am queer. And to say that to your parents or to leaders or to friends, even, that's kind of hard. But I feel like I wanted to learn to accept that part of myself so I could feel better, so I could be who I am completely. And so I could give myself that kindness, you know, and that breathing space of like, hey, here you go. Like, just you deserve this, you know. And so I feel like that's kind of what made me want to to want to accept that part of myself, to give myself some kind of relief and structure. Sorry, I'm muted. Um, there's an idea that popped into my head that I maybe I'll just say to anybody who listens to this. That second time you were saying it because I forgot to record you the first time. <laughs> so many errors. Um, but the, the, I think that there's a lot of like sinner phobia in the church. Like I remember multiple times as a kid learning about a particular commandment. And in the church, we do sometimes too good of a job talking about people and like the very real life struggles that come associated with dealing with a given like like alcoholism or or sexual sins or pornography or whatever the law of chastity like that's really good that we teach these things 
But I like remember being afraid, like, oh, no, I hope I never make that mistake. Like, which is a good thing. Like, we, we definitely want to avoid sins. But like, there's definitely like that fear, like, oh, no, am I going to be an alcoholic? And, and that was like, to me, the, the first time it ever clicked to me what you were describing. So maybe that'll help somebody else. Um, but the uh, second question of that, though, is that I've heard people say, and I've had a similar thought myself, and this is kind of blunt and the only way to ask it, is that and to the same end, we don't in the church say, well, like, I'm going to accept that I'm an alcoholic. You know, so why is it that there's this, I'm going to accept that I'm gay or I'm going to accept this part of myself? Like, what's your answer to that? That's a good question. I feel like um, for anyone that like ever attended, um, I haven't, but like the addiction recovery program or just like a, you know, essay meeting, um, like the first step is to accept, you know, that part of yourself, like accept that you are a sinner and that you are imperfect because that's what, you know, makes us who we are. That's what makes us humans. You know, we're all imperfect. We all make mistakes. And we all make wrong choices. And, uh, you know, maybe that's not the best thing, but it's okay, you know. And I think that when you learn to accept that part of yourself, you understand more about yourself. Because I think it's it's kind of like invalid for you to try to say, well, I am not my mistakes. Or like, I am not just my sins. Like, because you're who you are, or like, I am who I am today because of all the successes that I had and, you know, all the good things that came through my life, but also of all the struggles and all the problems and the mistakes and the tribulations that I had in my life. I think the combination of both the good things and the bad things, the product of all that is who I am today. And I couldn't say that, oh, I am everything that I am today because I never had a bad day or because I never had a heartbreak or I've never felt pain like that's not that's not who I am I have felt pain I continue to feel pain and I have my heart broken you know and I also cry and feel sad but I also feel really happy and I'm not saying that you should sin in order to grow or to be who you are because I don't think that's necessary like you don't have to sin but you definitely have to be enticed by both good and evil and if you make a mistake, it's not the end of the world. If you commit a sin, it's not the end of the world. As long as you're willing, and I think that's the important part, as long as you're willing to become a better version of yourself or become better than what you were yesterday, the combination of that plus your mistakes is what makes you such a good person and what makes you who you are today, I think. Yeah, very well said. I like the way you answer that. Um... In one of my classes, we learned about this idea. Well, well, first, I would say King Benjamin said it really well. Are we not all beggars? Like, we all are. Um, and there's this this idea. It's called self-efficacy, which is the, like the ability to overcome challenges. Like, it's closely related to grit, but it's a little more, um, like, self-aware than grit is. Um, but anyway, I was learning about it in one of my classes. And, and a big idea of it is being aware of your individual challenges. Like, so good someone who's good at self-efficacy is aware of their um urges they're aware of their desires they're aware of everything both positive and negative because they understand how that's going to influence their life and so i think that that is kind of what you're describing i like that um yeah so 
the we you've mentioned this before how like you really knew you wanted to well actually to jump back a little bit you mentioned how really frequently in the church it's like okay i'm gay so i'm gonna abandon the church or i'm gonna be a member of the church so i gotta bury this part of myself it's i mean it's becoming more frequent now but forever it was like one or the other there wasn't both what made you want to pick both because that's not easy i would just i mean just like personally but also socially and culturally that's not easy what made you want to endure that difficulty uh yeah that's so true i mean it's definitely not easy um i feel like actually making any choice is not really easy you know i feel like for those people that had to choose between you know leaving the church or staying in the church that was also probably a really tough choice um but I feel like I'm blessed that I came to 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 have this choice of like, hey, I can't be gay and I can still be in the church. And for me, I think it was kind of like the fact that I had learned to love and accept that part of myself a little bit. Um, but I never really saw myself as like, well, I'm going to the celestial kingdom, you know, because in my head I was always like, well, I'm going to hell because I'm a sinner and this is a sin. and uh, um so in my head i was kind of like well why do i even try you know but i really liked what the church provided me with in terms of like you know um teaching to love one another and you know doing as jesus christ did which is like you know love everyone and serve everyone and by that you're also showing your love for god and i remember being in my first week of or my first month or my first transfer of my mission and this elder had broken his back and so i was we we're all rotating because there's four of us and we'll rotate who would go out two on two and then i would stay you know at home with um this elder and i would help clean the apartment and stuff while he was recovering from his broken back and i remember the first time i came across the um, article on the former website that was um mormon and gay.org where you know they talked about hey being gay and being lesbian or bisexual is not inherently a sin and you know if that doesn't make you a sinner that doesn't make you a bad person and you know by leaving the law of chastity you can still accomplish and do the same things that any heterosexual member of the church can still do and so for me that was kind of like an answer to my prayers of like how do i bridge this gap between who i am that I've already kind of accepted, but also the, this place, this community where I really want to stay, where I really feel loved, but I don't know if I belong. And I feel like that statement was what bridged that for me. And I was like, okay, thank you, Heavenly Father. That means I can be myself and I can still be in the church. And I think also my testimony and my relationship with Christ had a lot to do with that personal experiences with him and you know getting to know Heavenly Father's love for me and knowing that if he can love me for being both that I can definitely try to accept and love myself for being both oh your answers are so excellent um so what also because I love that you told me that story before and every single time it touches me um but what is it that makes you want to because like I totally understand the personal acceptance, like, yeah, I'm gay, this is who I am. What makes you want it to be a little bit more vocal? Like, 
if that makes sense. Like, because because I think that the, if if we were to like survey the room, so to speak, I'm I'm sure there's members of the church who you know are totally in personal acceptance of their queerness, but aren't vocal about it. What makes you personally want to be more vocal about it? I think that it's just. I want to, and this is kind of cliche and kind of dumb, but like, I want to be something that I never had for myself. Um, because I never, I only found out about that statement. So that statement was officially released by the first presidency in 2015. And I only read about it in 2018. So there's like three years that, you know, because nobody really talked about this in the church or, you know, none of my young men leaders, you know, brought that up in lessons or on seminary, you know, I, I had no one to talk to this about, really. Um, and so I feel like if I can talk about it and say, hey, you guys are not alone. Like, I went through this or I hope that I wasn't alone in this situation, you know, that, oh, like I have you know, to try to learn to bridge that gap that I talked about before. And so I feel like if I can speak about it, then I can be that safe haven or that safe anchor for people that are going through what I went through at that time. And not necessarily saying that like my spiritual experiences will be like a spiritual prescription for them, but I can help them know that there's somebody out there who went through that already you know that there's other people around you know the world and around the church community that also struggle with this and that they're not alone and that is something that they can definitely reach the end you know like they can see the light at the end of the tunnel for this um and so i think that's kind of like why i like being vocal about it and it also helps me to like see how far i've come from you know this journey of self-love and self acceptance and my journey inside the church so i think that's kind of like why i really i really like talking about it you know because i think it's not something we talk a lot about in the church and it's something that generated a lot of controversy throughout the years and so it's also a very sensitive subject for people inside and outside of the church i feel like but it's definitely something that needs to be talked about i'm just like nodding Continually in agreement. Yeah, I think that's awesome. Um, yeah, I, I there's definitely I there's something I was going to mention later, but it's it's um, applicable now. There was a survey that was done a few months ago that said twenty percent of eighteen to thirty four year olds currently identify as LGBTQ. Like twenty percent. That is for that small amount of people is shocking to me. Um, so I think the chances of people having queer members of their ward is going to increase, especially among youth. And I also think that even if it's a cisgender straight person in the church, this is a topic that's going to matter to them. They're going to have friends in or outside of the church that are going to ask them questions about like, like this is going to be a foundational or destructive part of their testimony. And I, we definitely need more people like you. So thank you. Um, so my question is, is jumping back a little bit when you made the decision to be both vocal and an active member of the church and you made that difficult decision, what was your biggest fear or worry about your, you're like, you're like, this is what I'm going to do with my life. What was your biggest fear or worry? 
if that's not too personal? No, no, that's a good question. I think that when I, so I kind of had to like go through this extensive journey while I was on my mission because I first, you know, came to, to, to find that statement, you know, that was released by the first presidency in the beginning of my mission. So I had two years to like really kind of reflect upon that and think, what am I going to do when I get home? Like, you know, do I tell my parents? Because I had never, you know, told my parents before. And, uh, you know, like, who do I tell? And so I think one of my biggest fears was, one, kind of like being rejected. I think that's like the fear that everyone really has of being rejected. But also the fear of like not knowing what to do or sounding like a hypocrite, you know, that people would think that, oh, he's such a hypocrite. Like, he was a missionary and he's gay and he's says he's in the church, but like, is he really, or is he really gay then? And so like, I don't know. I was just really scared of like sounding like a hypocrite and also being rejected. But something that helped me a lot was um, I came out to like a bunch of people in my mission. Um, I had come out to friends like outside of the church before my mission, but coming out to like, the sister missionaries and a lot of my companions was something that was very cathartic for me of like seeing how they loved and accepted me and just having that empowerment of, you know, having their, I don't know if I would say approval, but their support, you know, that was something really big for me, which then led me to come out to my mission president and his wife which I was a hundred percent so scared of. I was like, crap, I'm going to go back home. They're going to send me home. Like, this is so bad. But I felt like I wanted to and I needed to. And I did. And they were so understanding and so loving. And I was not sent back home. <laughs> so it was, it was a good experience, which then gave me enough confidence to come out to my parents December of 2020, which was like six months or so after I came home from my mission and yeah so I think that that kind of was a lot of the experience that helped me to to not be so scared to talk about my sexuality but then to talk about my experience inside the church as a queer person or as a gay man I think after I got home from my mission I went to a couple of institute classes that were specifically designed to talk about these issues and talk about, you know, what is the relationship of the church with this subject, with this matter, and with these people, you know, because we're not just a problem, we're people. And so going to those classes helped me a lot to see, hey, other people in the church are struggling or were struggling with, you know, loving themselves and also being part of the church. And some people are currently going through that struggle, or some people don't know what they want. And when I got to share my experience in one of those classes, just seeing how, and there's a lot of straight people that were in that class too, but just seeing how loving everyone was and how desire, I think how, how much desire they had for an answer of like, hey, how do I reconcile the gospel with LGBTQIA, you know, members of the church? And and just, I don't know, just like seeing how positive they were about it and how eager they were to learn how to love people and how to help them feel welcome and accepted. 
that kind of also made me realize, wait, maybe what I went through was kind of a big deal. Like maybe what I went through is something that can help other people to learn how to love and accept themselves or love and accept other people, you know, and not to prescribe one way of living the gospel and being queer, but saying, hey, this was my side of, you know, living the gospel and being queer. Oh, that's awesome. Um, what is is something like because because you talked about your fear about being accepted, and I think it's so awesome to hear the positive experience of people being so accepting and, and supportive and loving, um, especially mission companions. That's really cool. But let's just scenario here. Say I'm like a member of your ward. That is, let's for like maybe if I can ask two different questions. I'm a member of your word who you're not out to, but I maybe just assume, or I just have my own speculations um, that you're queer. What is something that I could do as a as a, your ward member to, you know, to be a fellow saint with you in that situation where you're not out to me, but I might have some speculation. First of all, I would say it's okay to be curious and it's okay to like be, you know, and like, I don't know, like, you know, like I don't really try to hide it. So of course people sometimes will be guessing or people will think they know, but um, I think assuming is not, not everyone is okay with assuming. For me, it's like a fine line. I'm like, yeah, sure. Like, you know, I wasn't really trying to hide it, so it's fine. But um, there's people out there that, you know, are not ready to come out or they can't, they don't feel like they're in a safe spot to come out or, you know, whatever it is. And assuming in that situation can be kind of harmful, it can put them in the spotlight. But for the sake of this question, let's say that, that I am somebody who's not like out to everyone or not so, you know, blatantly queer. <laughs> per se, that I actually want to kind of like, you know, I don't know, not hide it, but I'm not ready to come out. And there's this member in my ward that thinks I am. I think that just trying to be loving and understanding, but also not trying to be too blunt about it, I feel. Like you can go up to me and ask if, you know, just like talk to me, you know, about my life. And you don't, I don't have to give you details about my personal struggles, but you can ask me how you can help me to feel better. You can ask me how you can support me in what I'm going through. You know, I feel like high school in itself, it's a really stressful experience. College can be stressful. And so just like seeing how you can love them and help them in other ways of their life of their lives, you know, that is not necessarily just with their sexuality. I feel like that's a good way of like showing support, especially when people might not be out or you think that they're queer, but there's a possibility that they might not be, you know? So I feel like just trying to love them and serve them and help them in other areas of their lives will probably be very beneficial because then they'll feel loved. And in the end, you know, they might even come out to you and tell you more about their life than about themselves or they might not which is totally fine yeah 
Okay. Yeah, assuming definitely is not a good thing. You usually end up hurting people's feelings more than doing anything good. But um, yeah, okay. So so and again, second part of that question then, if you are out to me, and it, and you know that's very clear between the two of us, what is something that I can do as a ward member uh, that's beneficial? Yeah, um, I don't expect everyone to be like out and proud, like, you know, like some people are. And I don't even think I myself, I'm like that out and proud. <laughs> but um, if you know, um, also, I would say probably don't go up to them asking like direct questions like, hey, like, have you had any like impure thoughts about, you know, your own gender this like you know like just that don't do that because you wouldn't do that to this person either you know you wouldn't go to someone be like dude like you know like i don't know it's just weird but you can definitely if you know then there's definitely more impactful ways that you can try to show your love and support like by i don't know um for me is like when i speak about you know the struggle of being in the church and being gay i feel like it's very supportive and very amazing when people come up to me and are like hey thank you for sharing that like i really liked what you said or i never thought about this point of view or even like wanting to learn more and they're like hey can i ask you a question later like how do you do with this or how do you do with that not because i'm like some kind of like you know special um i don't know like some special counselor or some special um doctor on this matter but i just feel like it, it shows that you're interested and it shows that you're willing to learn more so asking questions that are not just you know super straightforward or weird, you're right but like asking questions are like hey like can you teach me more about this and how can and, and then you can actually ask like more straightforward like hey how can i help you or like how can i make you feel welcome and supported or any of your friends. Okay, yeah, thank you. I appreciate that. Uh, very doable. Uh, I mean, like, it's very obvious when you say that, but I appreciate the clarifying because I think that so many of us, like, we don't want, well, I can't speak for everybody, but the people that I have talked to who want to be a, a support or a, a source of love for queer members of the church, often worry like i know this person already kind of feels on the out am i going to do something that's going to push them further away so i appreciate the clarity of how not to do that um okay so just a few more questions here for you the next one is that that you know the the family the proclamation to the world makes some things very clear that marriage is between a man and a woman and that gender is an essential part of our eternal identity the law of chastity which is taught in many sources throughout the church and the scriptures makes it clear what type of sexuality sexual activity is permitted and in what ways and and so on and so on and so forth so with those things in mind what, what's your personal opinion about why heavenly father has allowed if that's the correct word just for lack of a better word allowed sexual orientation and gender identity to be a very real thing among us especially among members of the church like does that make sense what I'm asking? Yeah, no, that okay. makes sense. It's just like really, yeah, really interesting because I also asked myself that before. Like, like if 
if Howling Father wanted things to go this way, then like, why did he ever allow for the opportunity of this other variant things to happen? You know, and like I said, especially within the church, like you know, that's a interesting thing. But I think the message there is that Heavenly Father loves us so much that He's willing to let us choose and decide. And there's not a concise answer of like, well, why are people gay? You know, like the way throughout history, people are like, well, it's a choice. And they're like, well, no, it's not a choice. You're born with it. It's something that, you know, is part of who you are and this, this, and that. And I think that regardless of where, how it started, where it came from, like, you know, if I could go back in time and ask the first queer person, like, dude, like, what happened, you know? Um, I think that doesn't really matter as much as, like, what you do with it, you know? Kind of like, well, why did God let people murder each other, you know? Or why does God let people steal from each other? Or why does God let a father of a family cheat on his wife and, you know, leave his family and start a new family? And There's a lot of really bad things out in the world. And I'm not comparing that to sexuality per se, like, oh, sexuality is a bad thing or, you know, gender is a bad thing. But there's a lot of things that happen in our lives that we usually don't question, like, oh, we're like, well, that's the way the world is, or like, that's the way the plan was made, you know, like. Like someone dies of cancer and we're like, oh yeah, that's just life, you know. Yeah, right, yeah, exactly. They're like, they don't even, I mean, they might question a little bit, but they don't think twice about it, like, oh yeah. Like, it was part of the plan, you know, or, like, that was supposed to happen. We're supposed to have health and sickness or good and bad or, you know. But when I look through my personal life and, like, the lenses of what I went through, I would definitely not be the person that I am today without the queer part of myself. Like, I would not have had the struggles that I went through and I would have not learned the lessons that I learned without a part of myself, which is kind of funny because it's what led me to have this strong testimony that I have today of, you know, that knowing that Holy Father loves me, knowing that Jesus Christ loves me and knowing that I want to be in the church because I love them. Um, so it's just, we don't like, it's just kind of weird to ask Holy Father why when we could be asking ourselves, okay, how do we go around about this? You know, how do we show Emily Fuller that we love and we care for everyone despite these things happening? You know, because I can't, first of all, he said, do not judge each other because with the same harshness that you judge, you shall be judged. So I can't, you know, let's, let's say I was straight, you know, I'm like, wow, did you see Brother Douglas, for example? He was a member of the bishopric, and he was involved with pornography, and his wife left him in this, this, and that. Like, I can't really judge him because his sins in a different way than I do. I might be not addicted to pornography, but I might be not paying my tithing, or I might be drinking alcohol here and there. Or am I not actually be going to church every Sunday? So we can't, first of all, can't judge people for, you know, choosing a different path than we do. 
because that's why agency's there. Heavenly Father loved us so much that he allowed us for he allowed us to go astray and learn some lessons from there and grow from there. Because then otherwise we would have all just, you know, done his will, which that's not the point. He doesn't he he knows that we can do it. You know, he knows that we can follow his will and be obedient. And that's why he sent us here. And I think it's more a question of, do we know that we can follow his will? And do we know that we can go back to him and prove to ourselves that we can do it? Because he already knows the outcome. He already knows who we are. And so it's more like, oh, wait, I can do this. You know, I can't, you know, do this and that. And it wouldn't, we wouldn't grow without opposition from both sides you know being enticed by good and by evil and the same way that you know we wouldn't have discussions about how to include people more love people more or make them feel more welcome if we didn't have you know sexuality as a spectrum or if we didn't have more than just two genders you know i think that we can all learn a lesson from that and be like, oh, okay, this is an opportunity for me to learn more about love and spirituality and making people feel welcome. Or we can just treat it as this massive problem that Heavenly Father put it down on earth to make us mad and annoy us and question his plan. Yeah, that's a fantastic answer. Right? I love what you said about um, Heavenly Father knows and knew that we could succeed. Like, like he wouldn't set up the gospel. He wouldn't send his son to die with a possibility that it might work. Like, like it, it, he knew that it would work and he knows that we can be successful. And I think that's just like, I really appreciate you saying that. I think that that, like, I really felt the spirit when you said that. I think it's such a beautiful thought for everybody in the church, no matter what our mortal experience is, that, that Heavenly Father knew that we could come to earth and that we could succeed. It's just whether we believe we can or not and what we choose to do. Um, wow, that's really beautiful. Thank you for sharing that. Um, I don't want to take up too much of your time. So I just have like three pieces of advice to ask you and then to ask you to bear your testimony. And that's it. And then I'll let you go. Um, so the three pieces of advice are what advice would you give to somebody who's, you know, feeling that these queer feelings in any capacity and they're trying to, to reconcile that with that and, and do i want to be a member of the church and they kind of feel that pull that i'm sure is very very difficult and they're trying to make that decision um what would you say to them what would you say to somebody who is out and now is just like has made the decision and is now just trying to live it if that makes sense and then what advice would you give to members of the church just in general um yeah the floor is all yours Thank you. Those are great <laughs> questions and great advice. It's like, that's a lot of weight on my shoulders, I feel like. But my <laughs> I only ask because I trust. <laughs> Thank you. My humble two cents on that would be, uh, first, um, if you're having feelings that you might be queer, you know, whatever part of queer you are, I would say don't 
let that get too much into your head that you start to hate yourself. The goal here is not to hate yourself. The goal here is to help you to love yourself. So first of all, don't hate yourself because of who you are. That's just, to me now, that sounds really dumb. But when I was in the early stages of figuring out my sexuality, that was a very common thing of hating who I was and why couldn't I be different, you know? But like I said, instead of thinking that this is a problem or this is an issue to be fixed, think about what can I learn from this and how can I go about it, you know? And then you have different ways that you can see yourself in the future, in or out of the church and things like that. And then try not to stress too much about whether or not you're going to leave the church or stay in the church and if that's a good or a bad thing. I would say try to focus on your personal relationship with God and and with Jesus Christ and see where it goes from there. You know, and if you feel like the best solution for you is to leave the church, then, you know, sure, that's a sad thing. But who am I to stop you from doing that? You know, like I can't force you to choose something that doesn't make you feel good. And so, yeah, follow your heart, learn to love yourself and not hate yourself and just try to, you know, um, strengthen your relationship and with God and just Christ and see where that goes. And then for anyone who is out in the church, I would say the first advice would be, one, don't be scared to speak up and talk about it. Um, Your experience matters a lot more than you think it does. And it might help a lot more people than you think it would. Um, But then also learn that there is a time and a place to talk. I feel like it's, in my personal opinion, I, I can be a little obnoxious when I don't know the setting or the proper setting to talk about those things, you know, that we might be talking about, I don't know, tithing. And it's kind of out of the way for me to go and talk about, you know, being queer in church and try to relate that to tithing. So try to to know your audience and uh, know the time and the place to talk about that. But definitely don't be scared of talking because it might surprise you and it might surprise other people, but it's a good surprise. And you see that there's a lot that people can learn from your experience and you can learn from your own experience. And then for members of the church, love. Just try to love. Remember that we're all going to the hospital of Jesus Christ to try to get healed, to try to receive comfort. We all want that spiritual ibuprofen. So please don't judge somebody who's on the hospital bed by yours. That's just really (laughs) hypocritical, really weird. But just try to love and try to accept. And honestly, for everyone in the church, I would say pray to Heavenly Father that you can see yourself how he sees you. And then I think that's going to open a lot of doors for you to love yourself and accept yourself, whether you're queer or not. And then... It'll help you to love others and see others as family fathers sees them. So that'll be a lot easier. So I think those are my three little pieces of advice for anyone. Um, and do you want me to share my testimony? If you wouldn't mind. Yeah. Um, 
If I cry, I apologize. Um, I have a testimony that God lives and that he truly is our loving Heavenly Father. That's an aspect of, of him that really grew on to me, that he is loving and sure he is just and he is also merciful. But above all, he's loving and he is like a father to me, to you and to everyone. Um, I also have a testimony that Jesus Christ really does love us as well as an older brother and as our savior because he gave his life for us and he made it so we could become what we can't become by ourselves. He made it so we can be whole through doing the best we can. And he made it so I can be a better person with each passing day that I have in my life. And I also have a testimony that prophets and the scriptures and the gospel is true, that all of those things helps us to navigate through life and through adversity and through our spiritual journey. And I am very grateful for Joseph Smith for restoring this church and bringing the gospel of Jesus Christ back on this earth because there's so many things in it that blessed my life and made me the person that I am. And that helped me to love myself um, and love the fact that I am a queer child of God. Can I say this in Jesus Christ? Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Daniel. I, I won't hold you up too much longer. I just have to say that I'm so grateful that you're here. What, I, I'm super grateful that you sat next to me that first day of the seminary training. I'm grateful that we talked as much as we have. I'm grateful that you responded to my annoying messages to you and that you were willing to talk to me on a spotty Skype call while you're in California with your aunt. From She's coming all the way from Brazil. So yeah. you have really <laughs> sacrificed a lot to be here. So. Thank you so much, Daniel. I This was an assignment I mentioned to you that I have to do for my content creation class. And way before we set up this interview, like weeks before, we had to submit our script and our topic. And I prepared a different one initially, even though this is the one I wanted to do. I was like, I, I really want to talk to Daniel and I want to ask him these questions. But I prepared a different one. And I su even submitted it. And then it was like the day, like I submitted it early. And then the day before it was due, it was like, no, I need to talk to Daniel. And I like resubmitted this one. And then my professor talked to me and he was like, I'm so glad you're doing this. I'm glad you have the bravery to ask these difficult questions. And I'm glad that Daniel has the bravery to respond to these difficult questions and be a help to the members of the church. So I, I feel like it was a prompting to ask you because I felt the spirit as we talked. I was uplifted. I benefited. Hopefully you did. And I'm sure that at least one person who listens to this will as well, because your your testimony is really powerful and it's really unique, which I think is what makes testimonies powerful, is that all of us are just trying to figure out how to make this work. Like we're all trying to figure out mortality. It's difficult. And experience is like the best thing to rely on. So thanks for sharing your experience to people who don't frequently have experience to rely on. I think that that's a really special thing. I a question that I had written down that you answered on your own was, what do you think you're going to be able to do for the Lord having experienced and lived the way you have? And I, you're already doing it. And that's why I didn't ask you, because you, you don't have to answer it. You're already doing it. So thank you for taking the time to talk to me. Um, 
really. I, I can't say thank you enough. It, it meant the world to me. But I've talked to you long enough. Go enjoy your aunt, your wonderful aunt. She sounds awesome. And be with the family. Man, enjoy California. Thank you so much, Dan. Thank you for asking those questions and thanks for being brave like your team. Uh, thank you for doing this as well for me. And thanks for being so nice to me. You're the best. Oh, of course. I appreciate you, Daniel. You have a good time in California. You have fun in Utah and get better. Thank you. I appreciate it. See you, Daniel. Hi, Harrison. Thank you. That was such a wonderful conversation, and I'm, I'm extremely grateful for Daniel and the time he took to answer those difficult questions and let me ask him. Um, this is something that I've wanted to do with Focus on the Light for a while now, to interview individuals. And I appreciate Daniel letting me be, Daniel being a guinea pig for me, and also for just being a wonderful person and, and handling a, a difficult topic. Um, but, but this is a topic that I, like I mentioned in my interview with Daniel, I, it's going to become more and more prevalent in the church. And especially if we want to help youth to understand what they're experiencing, because they're going to have people that they care about that are going to be asking them these questions if they're not asking themselves. And they're trying to reconcile what they're experiencing in the world with people they love and care about and what they're learning in the church and how to make peace with both. And so it's important that we are able to be a, a source that they can rely on with that. And it's, it's something that I'm very passionate about. So yeah, thank you again, Daniel. I, I appreciate it. Thank you for everybody who's listening. Thank you for the patience. I promise hopefully some more consistency will happen soon here and come follow me because I really enjoy studying, come follow me and sharing my thoughts about it. Uh, maybe a little bit simpler, but thank you again for listening. And uh, I'll talk to you all, not next week, but whenever I have a chance. See ya.